0: You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy veteran and your host, Peter Seraphine.
1: This is the Liberty Lighthouse for Friday, April 3rd, 2020. The majority of today's episode is going to be about the rights that we have voluntarily waived because of the Wuhan flu crisis. However, there's a few other things I'd like to talk about before we jump into that particular topic. Then, when we get to the second segment, we're going to have a guest, Josh Shear, who's going to help us talk about the rights that we've waived. And how long we want to let him wave. Even though that wasn't what he thought we were going to talk about today. So let's get started with the Liberty Lighthouse. Welcome
0: to the Liberty Lighthouse. With your Liberty Lighthouse keeper. Your beacon of common sense. Your wiki, if you will. Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation. By calling 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646 974 4487 and sign up to be a member at liberty com. that's right call or text
1: the liberty lighthouse at 64 my rights love to hear your opinions about my opinions so before we get started today really into the topic of the episode there is uh well, there's something kind of scary that i want to talk about in fact i might go as far as to say that uh Well, it's a tyranny alert. This is not a drill. This is not a drill. General Porter. General Porter. So the problem is H.R. 5717, House Resolution 5717 that was introduced on January 30th in uh, Congress, and House Bill 5717 is designed to, quote, End the epidemic of gun violence and build safer communities by strengthening federal firearms laws and supporting gun violence research intervention and prevention initiatives. The short title of this bill is the Gun Violence Prevention and Community Safety Act of 2020. Oh, doesn't that sound sweet? Well, When you go reading into the bill, it's a horrible, horrible thing for our Second Amendment. It not only defines uh, assault weapons by ridiculous means and does a whole bunch of stuff regarding assault pistols and assault assault shotguns. But uh, it basically makes, well, the AR-15 illegal, the AK-47 illegal. Anything with a pistol grip and a removable magazine is illegal regardless of what it is. Not only that, the part that bothers me the most about this bill is probably the tax section of it, where it puts a 30% tax on all firearm purchases and a 50% tax on all ammunitions. Folks, those are punitive taxes. That is punishment for you trying to exercise your Second Amendment right, and that cannot happen. The good news is that this bill will probably never make it to the Senate floor, even if it passes the House, so I wouldn't worry too much about it, but we probably, well, no. We need to keep an eye on this bill, especially since COVID-19 has got all of the media's attention and nobody is paying attention to this bill at all. This bill was introduced on January 30th, and I first heard about it like last week. So next week, I'm going to do a gun rights episode again, where I talk about the different laws that are pushed across our nation, both federal and state laws. We'll get into it a lot more detail then. This week, I reached out to Josh Shear, 20-year veteran of the newspaper industry. Well, my intention was to talk to him about media bias in newspapers and, and other things that have changed in the newspaper industry. But then I realized if I did that, well, I'll have three episodes in a row all dealing with the media. And to be honest, I don't want to give the media that much attention. So I talked to Josh, and we decided we were going to talk about the importance of community involvement and knowing what your communities are doing and what you can do, especially in a pandemic event. There are a lot of things that you can do as an individual that would be far more helpful than anything our federal government can do. And one really simple example is my friend, Jamil. Again, we've talked about Jamil on the show many times now. Uh, He is out and about every day, even during the shutdown, because he does home repair work. And he has reached out to some of the elderly in our neighborhood and said, hey, look, I'm out every day. If you need something, call me. I'll get it for you. Don't you go out yourself and, and put yourself at risk. So that's one simple thing that we can all do. I saw online a lady who says that she makes a big pot of stew every week. And if you reach out and contact her, she will bring it to you and put it on your front porch. No need to even see her or talk to her like a a zero contact drop off. So there's somebody who's doing her best to help feed those in need. A lot of food bank type organizations are still working even during the shutdown. So of course they need help. Anyway, that was the planned intention of this episode with Josh Shearer. But in the last couple of days, I have started to become concerned about the rights that we have waived and the rights that our government is taking from us to combat the epidemic or pandemic. Now, A lot of this stuff needs to be done, and we the people need to just suck it up and deal with the infringement on our rights for the short term. But I kind of question how long we the people are willing to allow this to happen before we start to do uh, really stupid or, or revolutionary type things. Another question that I have is, could this be some sort of social experiment? I'm not saying the virus is a social experiment. I'm saying that, I'm asking, could the government be using the virus as a social experiment to see how tight they can grip on we the people or how far they can push we the people before we begin to revolt? And then I also wonder, well, what other shady stuff like House Bill 5717 Might our government be trying to pull while this epidemic is going on so that it doesn't get covered? I believe it was uh, Ron Emanuel who is famous for saying, never let a crisis go to waste. So what are our government officials doing during this crisis? What shady, nefarious, scary thing are they doing in the background while the media is focused on COVID-19 or the Wuhan flu or the coronavirus or whatever you want to call it. I'm really not trying to be conspiratorial. I don't want to be one of those conspiracy theory guys, but I'm a little worried. So anyway, this was not the planned topic of conversation with our guest Josh Shear. So please don't uh, be too hard on him if he comes across as not being prepared because he wasn't prepared. This was not what we were supposed to talk about. We recorded our conversation in Zoom, so I will be posting the unedited video version of our conversation on YouTube. If you'd like to check that out, it's at P. Seraphine on YouTube, same as I am on Facebook and Twitter, at P-S-E-R-E-F-I-N-E. So let's cut this first segment short, take our mid-roll break, and come back with
0: Josh Shear. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487.
2: Are you fed up with progressive society? I'm Peter Serafin, and my frustration led
1: me to write a short book titled Progress, Really? Progress, Really, is about the past, current, and future state of American culture, government, and social standing. I urge every liberty loving American to visit my website, seraphine.com, and order a copy.
2: Give progress really a quick read and some serious thought. That was seraphine.com, S E R E F I N E.com.
0: Order your copy today. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast.
1: Okay, so welcome, Josh Shear, to the Liberty Lighthouse. Josh.
2: Uh, 20 year or so veteran of the newspaper industry, starting his journalism career in the 1997, 1998 time frame. Uh, one of the hosts of the JKWD, that's Josh and Kevin World Domination Podcast. And, uh, of course, owner of his own website, joshshear.com. Welcome.
3: Thanks, Peter. Uh, how are you doing today?
2: I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, um, thanks for your time to start with
3: yeah thanks for having me on and and before we get too deep uh thank you for your service to our country yeah I, i'm seeing on your website that you are a retired navy so
2: i'm uh, not retired no no no, no? Heck, former navy not former. Not, okay retired. i didn't stay in that long i wish i would have um a funny story that goes there but uh yeah
3: maybe for another time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Okay, so I had you on the show. Uh, I was intrigued by the journalism career, uh, especially from the newspaper side of things. Um, as you're aware, uh, the last two podcasts have all been about media bias and what can we do about media bias. It initially reached out to you because of the news, the uh, newspaper career thinking, hey, how is this different in the newspaper field? And then I thought, eh, I really don't want to do three <laughs> episodes in a row on one basic topic so we might come back to talk about that another time if that's okay sure and then we you and I spoke and we said hey let's talk about the importance of community involvement especially in times of crisis and I thought that's a brilliant idea my neighbors out going to the the uh, elderly in the neighborhood saying you know hey don't leave your house if you need something call me that's good stuff we're all I'm sure we're all seeing those kinds of uh, you know, help your neighbor things during this pandemic lockdown stuff. But then between the time you and I had that conversation and now I have a new focus. As you're aware, this is the Liberty Lighthouse. And my purpose, my goal, the reason I made this podcast was to help protect our liberties. And about two weeks ago, we the people gave our government permission To waive our First Amendment right to assemble and, quite honestly, the First Amendment right to worship in the way that we wish. Okay. But I've now seen the Second and Fourth Amendments violated, and I'm not sure if I'm okay with those two. And I'm not sure how long we the people are going to be willing to allow our First, Second, and Fourth Amendments to be violated. So the First Amendment, I mean, we all kind of agreed to it. It's a pandemic time. We have to do things. And I talked earlier on the Liberty Lighthouse that we do sometimes temporarily waive rights. Probably the most common example is we waive our right to free speech when we have a job. We go to work, have a job where you're not allowed to spout your personal political views because your boss doesn't care and your boss doesn't want your customers to hear about it, and all those kinds of things. So you, you and I temporarily waive our First Amendment rights for the privilege of having a job.
3: Make mm-hmm. sense? Well, you know, I, I actually come down on the side of uh, freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. So you oh, yeah. have the you have the absolute right at work to say basically what you want. You don't have the right to retain your job because of it.
2: Exactly, right. I I always say that you waive your right to speak for the purpose of your job unless of course you're a spoiled rich athlete then they just kind of yeah, you know, yeah, sure. <laughs> Right, there's always consequences for almost anything. You know, the the old saying about, you know, death and taxes being the only things that are really for sure. Well, you can you can not pay your taxes. Mm-hmm.
4: But like you said, there are consequences to that. Right.
2: So, it started out with the, hey, don't get in groups. Perfectly reasonable when you got a viral epidemic pandemic. And it started as a guideline from the federal government from the president and then the states and local governments took those guidelines and made them uh, actionable so here in pennsylvania we started out with the state with the uh, counties around philly and and pittsburgh being asked to stay at home and then a couple of more counties were added including mine and uh just i think it was just today could have been yesterday uh, he took it statewide. So we're now under stay-at-home orders in the state of Pennsylvania.
3: Are there declared consequences for violating those stay- stay-at-home orders in Pennsylvania? I haven't seen any. Okay.
2: However, I have heard of a local restaurant. Well, it was actually it's a hotel, but it happens to have a restaurant. Anyway, they got a big fat fine because they did shut down when
4: the governor wanted him to shut down. I don't know what they're going to
2: do about individual people.
3: Well, I I know that some states are, sorry to interrupt you. I know that some states are uh, actually imposing fines, um, you know, for things like curfew violations here in, I'm in coastal Georgia, in the Savannah area um, where the governor has been reluctant to impose anything statewide. Um, You know, he's, recommending the uh, CDC guidelines and gatherings, but uh, letting the mayors and, and counties um, really impose their own thing. Uh, here in Savannah, the mayor, we're recording today in April two, So it's been about two weeks since the mayor closed all non-essential businesses. Um, he, you know, restaurants can all do takeout and delivery. And if they Want to reduce their dining room capacities by fifty percent? They're allowed to um, stay open for a dine-in. Most restaurants are not uh, taking them up on that. Uh, some have closed altogether just to say, "Hey, let's just lay everybody off so that they can collect unemployment." Well, we figure this out. You know, let's not bleed money for a couple of months. You know, we can we can pay the rent, whatever. Um, I did see that a party was broken up by the police. I mean, and it seems to be more of a hey, don't be a dummy right <laughs> now. Like, they're, they're, um, hey, this is serious. Don't, don't exacerbate it. We're not finding anybody, but maybe, can they have the parties? Yeah. You know, maybe let's, uh, maybe let's not be stupid about it. <laughs> um, so,
2: You You seem to be following about the same timeline as Pennsylvania. It was just over two weeks ago when um, non-essential businesses were close. It was actually then when that hotel was fined shortly thereafter. Um, Let's start with that for a minute, just the non-essential business. Mm -hmm. Immediately, and I mean by the end of the day, the governor made that declaration in Pennsylvania there were lawsuits filed about gun stores because the gun stores were staying open and the governor found out that they were staying open Mm -hmm. and then, you know, basically said close by tomorrow or I'm pulling your firearm sales license. So then as soon as he said that lawsuits were filed, I mean, it couldn't have been out of his mouth before the lawsuits were filed. And rumor has it that a couple of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court judges talked to the governor and said, you know, if this comes in front of us, we're going to have to side with them and you're just going to look like a tyrannical dick. So why don't you let the gun stores open? <laughs> so the governor did. He uh, he he put some restrictions in and, you know, you got to use the social distancing thing and they have to clean and sanitize like constantly and all that kind of stuff. But the gun stores are back open. Pennsylvania is not the only state that had that problem. Uh, Gun stores were closed in other states. And again, same thing. Yeah, Massachusetts
3: has been a problem. And um, I think here they're limited. Like you have to, like, like you can't go in and browse and you can't, um, you can't go in and, Hey, I'm thinking about getting my permit. You know, what can you show me? It's, it's, you're going in to buy. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, and I, I don't know if they're. I mean, they must be limiting customers in some way. Um, yeah, you because know, most of the shops are not big.
2: Right. Uh, well, we um here, right here in my town, I actually have two gun stores. There's one little little tiny place, independent owned guy, just a single guy that runs a shop, and then there's another bigger more corporate type place and the little independent guy he's only letting one person or one couple in the shop at a time so he's actually going above the governor's restrictions he's not letting people touch anything unless they put gloves on he's only letting one person or couple at a time and then like if you go in let's say you go in to buy a gun and you pick it out and he sends you back outside to a table out in the sidewalk to fill out your paperwork while he lets somebody else in so he's going beyond the uh required safety measures but he was also part of the reason why the the, the uh, governor had came back and and clarified because he was on the local news because he didn't close when they said non-essential business he they like the local newspaper was like why aren't you closed? And he's like, have you heard of the second amendment? This is essential. And so that one of, right. so that is not just Pennsylvania. That is other states. You said Massachusetts, there was one out West. Wouldn't surprise me if it was California, but I forgot already which one it really was. Um, and then there's the first amendment, which was actually the purpose of what they asked for. And that was, No groups of, I think it started at 50 or more, and now then it went down to 10 or more. Wise advice. Yeah. Stopping the spread of of a virus. However, there are certain religious faiths that require church service. If you're Catholic, for example, you can't really get communion at home unless you've already got that arranged and all that kind of stuff ahead of time. Now it's, you know, "Ah, I can't get my community. Um, There are religions that require you to search for, to attend services. So there's the violation of the religious restrictions. And I think it was Florida where they actually jailed the pastor who said, Nope, I'm still doing services.
3: Yeah. There was one in Florida and one in Alabama. Um, you know one thing they they could have done in those churches is to mark off chairs so that mark off seats so that people were six feet away from each other Um, and you know I see that happening on on public transit in some places Um, you know the don't sit here don't sit here don't sit here sit here Um, so that, so that people can sit, you know, six, eight, ten feet away. Um, you know, Judaism, you're not supposed to pray in groups less than ten. Well, there Um, you go. So I've seen a lot of, um, communities, uh, praying from separate balconies. So you get like a, you know, like a, like a two by, like a two by three, uh, building where you'll have, you know, two people on each balcony. Um, but Lakewood, New Jersey, they've been having a lot of, uh, particularly with the Hasidic community up there. I mean, people have been doing weddings and they've been putting like 45 people in one backyard, 45 people in the next backyard, 45 people in the third backyard, and they're all adjacent. And, you know, I mean, a fence isn't a good air divider. Um, nope. And, like, right, you know, what are you going to do? You know, your community is going to be dealing. With this as a as a health crisis, but then what burden does that put on the the state's healthcare system? And is that the state's problem? Is that a citizens' problem? You know, if you if you gather in groups of fifty, a 100, 150, and you can't get beds for everybody in the hospital, you whose know, problem is, is that the hospital's issue? Is that the community's issue? Is that uh, the town's issue was is it the state's issue? Yeah, uh, you know, it becomes a it becomes a matter of practicality at some point. You know how do you how do you assess for how do you assess for beds
4: basically?
2: Well, I I don't know if I said this or if I just thought it, but I, this is good stuff. I mean, we we did need to do something to stop the slow. To stop or slow the spread of the virus, Mm -hmm. needed to do what we could to flatten the curve. The government, at at the federal level, put out the guidelines, and then the states and locals, you know, made them rules. I don't know if you can say they made them laws, but we've got governors all over the place and mayors even that are are claiming um, emergency powers that their municipalities don't have, like the you know the mayor of Podunk, Arizona doesn't have an, an emergency power clause in their, their uh, you know corporation papers or whatever. And they're just saying, well, I'm taking it anyway. Yeah. That's a problem to me.
3: Yeah. Most, I would think most municipalities, even large ones probably don't have that sort of thing. It usually comes from the governor or president. Right. And, you know, government, you, you have to, at the state level, you get to, you know, activate the state guard and you get to, divert funds and you know the president can give you a state declaration and divert federal funds and um federal reserve uh you, like that's that's clearly delineated i think in in law
2: right but we've got mayors that are you know claiming themselves victors or kings I, and some of them are declaring some really stupid stuff i don't i don't want to get into stupidity yeah. um all right, so violations of the First Amendment that we've allowed, reasonably. We have the uh, violation to assemble. So, you know, we do have the right to assemble. It's in our Constitution. We have, we have waived that right currently. The right to practice our religion as we feel fit. Eh, I don't know if we really waive that one. And the the ones who are choosing to say, no, I didn't waive this right, are being punished they're jailed. Uh, That's a problem to me. There needs to be a disclaimer of some type. Like, look, this guy's still going to do a service. If you're stupid enough to get into that big group and get that close to these other people, you know, you're going to get sick. But I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Should we waive it like we have the right to assemble? Well,
3: you know, here's the um, thing on that. Is... Is somebody holding a, a church service with 400 people in a, in a small room? You know, let's say it's a capacity 500 room and they get 400 people in there, 450 people in there. Without saying, hey, come, you know, this is what the CDC suggests. We're going to have the service anyway. You know, if you're, if you're at risk, don't please don't come or you know just cover up you know wear a mask wear gloves don't shake anybody's hand just just be safe. If if they're not doing that, is the is the pastor or rabbi or imam or, or whoever is the person leading that service causing a a public health issue? Uh, you know if let's say we didn't have any of this going on right now. If you had a church with a sewage backup into the sanctuary and it wasn't being cleaned up and and remitted, um, if you let people into that sanctuary with three inches of sewage on the floor, you should probably be arrested for causing a public health crisis. Um, you know, are we you know where do we tread the you know what line do we tread with endangering your you know endangering your flock right you know, I know that my rabbi is holding services via YouTube. The only two people in the sanctuary are him and somebody uh doing the video production and you know. We've been doing family dinners via Zoom. Uh, it, it's been pretty cool. We've been able to, you know, normally we have my sister over on Friday nights and her husband and her daughter, but now we can get, yeah, you know, now we can get my parents on the call and my brother who's, you know, four hours away and we can get some friends up in New York on the call and just everybody be together and talk over each other, you know, let people do family dinners. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I wish I would have bought stock in Zoom about you know a month and a half ago.
3: <laughs> right. Well, you know they're they're giving away uh, to uh, K twelve. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they did they did right there. They did good there, and a lot of people are probably picking them up because of that.
2: But you bring up a really good point. Like, at, we do waive our rights at times for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. So the question is should we waive our right to worship as we please or should the people leading the flocks be better at you know following the CDC guidelines i don't know if these pastors that have been arrested put any controls in place i don't know maybe they did maybe they they had you know tape on the on the pews and say don't sit between here and here i, I don't know um you know, if, if, if it's not a, an issue with your particular faith, you know, hold service more than once a week and, and limit the capacity or, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of things that could be done. And I don't know if, if these pastors that have been arrested did any of them. And I, if you're right, if, if they've got a, a room that's filled to capacity and people sitting close enough that they're touching each other and, yeah that's that is creating a public health risk that could have been prevented so maybe they should be liable
4: um so that's first amendment
2: second amendment we already talked about like right to keep and bear arms a lot of people i've i've actually done two full episodes of the liberty lighthouse two of my 29 have been on uh guns in one way or another and I think the First Amendment is what makes us American, and the Second Amendment is what keeps us American. That's just kind of how I, I view thought, it.
3: Uh, it. Makes sense. Um,
4: the attacks to our Second
2: Amendment have been going on for you know years and years and years, and in the state of fear that we have now. The governor's trying to close the gun stores. I I don't know. Like, it's pretty clear. Like, first off, no governor of any state has the authority to do anything that's unconstitutional. Period. So is that a right that we should waive like we have the right to assemble? Like, should we be okay with saying, eh, maybe we don't need gun stores right now? Personally, I don't think so. Cause I don't know which, what direction we're heading. And if this goes on for too long and these people that don't have money because they lost their jobs and they got a $1,200 check, that's going to what? I don't know, keep them alive for a week. They're uh, eventually people will start committing crime just for survival is right. what I'm trying to get to. So closing the gun stores when that is a possibility in the near future it, it just doesn't seem right to me
4: well i mean the other end of that being
3: if the county offices that are and the city offices that issue firearms permits are closed um, it means that no new permits are being issued and in if people already have their permits and they already have firearms,
4: um, then
3: a store being open, you know, maybe oh. maybe a drive-through for ammo. Um, but uh, you know,
2: well, let's you, back up here for a second. Sure. Not all states require permits. Here in Pennsylvania, as long as I pass the phone-in background check, I can buy a long gun. Or a handgun without any other government intervention. So you pass the background check, you buy a gun. There is no permit required. I do need a permit if I want to conceal carry. Gotcha. But that is a separate issue. I can have guns all of. I could not have a concealed carry permit and still strap every gun I own to my body and cover it all up with a burqa and walk around my house all the time, and I'm not breaking the law. Obviously, if I walk outside like that. Right. can't see it it's concealed there are states that are open carry states like like i'm sure you saw with the big protest in virginia yeah it's an open carry state no permit required you can walk around the streets with a weapon pennsylvania is like that except in the what they call the cities of the first class or something like that philly and pittsburgh maybe harrisburg um i i can put a gun on my hip and walk around town all i want but if my jacket covers that gun, then it's now then concealed. It's concealed. You need that concealed carry permit. I got a concealed carry permit just because I didn't want to, oops, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you know, like if I'm going to the range and I put my range bag in the back seat versus lock it in the trunk. Like, you know, technically that's, that's. if it's in the passenger compartment, you need a concealed carry permit. If exactly. it's in the trunk, you don't. So. There are. That's another part of what you said. What you bring up, though, uh, the permit. I think every state has the background requirement, at least for handguns. Some I don't know about long guns. Probably some do, some don't. Um, No, wait a minute. From a from a licensed dealer, you have to pass the background check. So, one of the things I've heard from uh, governors threatening to shut down the the uh, background check system so that okay your gun store you can stay open but we're going to shut down the background check system so you can't sell guns (laughs) i mean for them to even threaten that to me says buy more guns like it it's just bad again follow the rules if i'm the gun if i own a gun shop that's only six feet wide and, you know, 30 feet long, and I've got 80 people packed in there. Well, yeah, I should be held liable for the health risk I've created. But if I own a gun shop where I'm only letting, you know, five people in at a time and, you know, hey, hey, before you touch, use some hand sanitizer or put on these gloves or you know, whatever. If I'm doing what I can do as the store owner uh, to follow the CDC guidelines to the best of my ability, just keep them open. And if to for them to be closed by edict from a governor is uh is frightening to me.
3: But I think that, you know, I'm not a gun guy, which is why well, I knew little about the permitting. Um, yeah. but I think there one are of the things like that. that I think that there's I think it's one thing that we have that should be taken out of states' hands um that you know i think south carolina is finally reciprocal with georgia concealed permits um yeah but there are like 23 states you know, like like yeah you know, like you can go to colorado but you can't go through oklahoma on the way oh yeah um it, it's like if we had like a national standard for it um permit or not um background check yes um I feel like it'd be so much easier.
2: Yeah. Um, we we were in the gun community they refer to. If you have a concealed carry permit in one state, it is valid in all fifty states. Kind of like a driver's license is their thought. If it works here, it should work everywhere. Right. Like getting rid of states like New Jersey, which is right next to me. New Jersey honors nobody's concealed carry permit. And I actually know a guy who was driving through New Jersey, had a handgun in his glove box, legal in Pennsylvania, got pulled over for a speeding ticket when he went to get his, you know, let registration and insurance out of the car, told the officer, and he ended up spending the night in jail for having a weapon in his car. And it just, you know, just so happened that it was a Saturday or
4: whatever. Yeah. Um, little off topic, but a good topic nonetheless. Uh, we,
2: uh, I'm just trying to, you know, at what point is it okay that we give up these rights on a temporary basis, of course? And the last one I saw, the Fourth Amendment, um, the right to search and seizures. I just saw this one this yesterday. I don't know. My, I, my head almost exploded. The state of Rhode Island is stopping cars at the state line, cars coming into Rhode Island, Okay. if they have New, New York plates.
3: Florida was doing that. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Unreasonable search and seizure. You are stopping somebody and, and inquiring of them, for no reason other than the license plate on their vehicle. That is not probable cause. That is, I mean, this is Gestapo like papers, please. Like this is bad stuff. And I think that the States that have tried this are getting some pretty bad press for trying it and hopefully they won't do it for long. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's three. Of the bill, three of the Bill of Rights amendments being violated currently because of
4: this pandemic, again.
3: Well, and let's go. I mean, you know, for what it's worth, let's go. You know, right to the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. This is a lot of pursuit of happiness stuff too, right? Um, you know, if you opened a gun store, you know. In the pursuit of happiness, if you, uh, you know, Pennsylvania liquor shops are going online only, I think, um, and they were starting to crash. But you know, a lot of places recognize that liquor stores need to be open because it's an addiction issue. It's a it's a public health crisis, and what you don't need right now is to flood the ERs with uh, people going to alcohol withdrawal.
2: Wait, um, I, I got a funny one here. Yeah. Okay, so Pennsylvania's got some weird liquor laws. Yes, they do. <laughs> All of our liquor stores are state-run stores, but they sell distilled spirits and wine. Mm -hmm. Then we have beer distributors who can only sell malted and brewed beverages. And then recently, and I'm talking just in like the last two or three years, you can start to buy beer and wine in grocery stores, but no liquor. Do Do
3: you still have to buy them by the case?
2: At a beer's distributor, yes. What the, what they're doing is uh, they're using a, a restaurant liquor license for a grocery store. Okay. So they have to have seats and stuff. So you can only buy like a 12 pack at a time or something like that. Mm-hmm. Silly. They're, we, they're called blue laws. Um, anyway. So all these silly liquor laws. One of the first things to close when the governor says non-essential business was the liquor stores, but not beer distributors. Beer distributors were considered essential because they also sell water and snacks. And in some communities, it might be like the only store they have or whatever. Like, really? Because, you know, right down the street, there's the the tobacco store that sells pipes and cigars and cigarettes. They've got a cooler and sell water and snacks, too. But you made them close. So there's a pretty significant flaw in that logic,
4: if you ask me. I hate
2: seeing hypocrisy in our government. And this is pointing out a lot of it.
3: Well, right. a lot of it winds up being lobbying of money and politics, right? We have, right. um yeah, you know, we've had some law shifts, particularly in the, in the beer department the last couple of years here in Georgia. Uh, it used to be that you had to go through a distributor. So if you owned a production brewery, you couldn't sell. Um, so, you could you could sell a tour and include samples as part of your tour. So if you wanted to, if if you wanted people to try your beers, right? You could pour somebody a beer if they bought a tour. They couldn't buy the beer, <laughs> um, and they couldn't take home a six pack from you. They had to go to a store. So if it cost you. If you were gonna sell a six pack of the beer you made for seven bucks, you know in your shop because you know it cost you four fifty and you did it back there right. um, you couldn't do that. you had to sell it to a distributor who took a piece and they had to bring it you know to the grocery Weird. store down the street um or the convenience store or the CVS or whoever. Um and they were gonna take a piece of the two, so now your seven dollar ten pack wound up a ten dollar six pack somewhere else. Um
2: forced yeah, middlemen.
3: Yeah. Um yeah we called it the last um the last uh mafia here <laughs> the last bit of organized crime but they um yeah they did away with that now you can buy a six pack you can buy seventy two ounces at a at a brewery, um, you, know, you can you can go and drink all you want. Um, they can only open on Sundays if they serve food, um, but you can go sit at the bar and order drinks or whatever, and you can take home a six pack or a couple of growlers, or you know two thirty six ounce growlers. Um, but yeah, it's yeah some some strange laws um, throughout.
4: <laughs> yeah, we've got some funny ones too. Okay. So we just went anyway, through yeah.
2: uh, the um well at least my perspective of of the the uh the rights that we are waiving, whether we did it willingly or not. I think that we pretty much waived our right to assemble uh, willingly. I don't think
3: Which makes intended- some sense, right? Like I think yeah. we've I think we've said, Hey, you know what, you know, for the, you know, for our sake and the sake of those around us, we don't want to be in those groups right now. Um, What I don't want to see is this going on any longer than it has to, right? That Um, was actually, that's the, that's really, I know that's where you really wanted to get 20 minutes ago, but. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well,
2: that's actually where I was headed right now. Like, so we've done this, we we've got, you know, Four parts of three different amendments uh, that we are allowing to be violated, whether we did it willingly or not.
3: Right. And I'm going to I'm going to say it's really the three. Right. Because I think that the the religion thing is really an assembly thing Um, that. We're only being told, don't practice the way you want to practice because it involves a crowd. Right. Um, so it's, I I think, I think it's splitting hairs to say it's specifically a a freedom of religion thing, Um,
2: but it's still the first amendment. Uh, I just, I looked at it as two different parts of the first amendment and then, you know, four parts of three amendments is where I was going there.
3: Yeah. Um, Um, but yeah, I, one of the things that I've thought since the very beginning of, the epidemic before you know we started this stay at home. Some states are calling it shelter in place. I don't like the I don't like the the um violence of the shelter in place language because that's what we'd use for an active shooter too. Um right. yeah you know, uh they're calling it shelter in place here. I think they're calling it stay at home in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um but the um one of the things before those orders started to come down that that I was interested in was looking at collectivist cultures like Asian cultures uh, where um, they say, do this for the good of the people. People generally will because that's what the culture is. You, you look at how Singapore and South Korea, uh, for example, have handled uh, their outbreaks uh, versus individualistic cultures like America um, you and Canada and Europe. Western society is largely individualistic. You tell us to stay at home for the good of our neighbors. And we're like, Pfft. <laughs> um, so. Screw <Yeah>, you. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, yeah, but yeah, but me, uh, I'm good. I'm not worried about else else's me. So, uh, you know, I wondered how that was going to play out. And we see that we see mixed results. I mean, here, I, uh, you know, I, I go to a grocery store once a week, um, and I'm seeing uh, there are signs on the floor, wait here, wait here, wait here, and the lines. The aisles are still really narrow. They haven't done anything to kind of give people room to pass, but you know, we see people you – yeah, know, if somebody's at the refrigerator, you'll see somebody standing back to wait to look at that refrigerator
2: next. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird and spooky and, and, but you're right. I've seen it too.
3: So, yeah, I mean, so there, there's some of that going on, uh, but, you know, I, I don't want to get too into the community, but, you know, before I go to the grocery store, I ask my neighbor, Hey, do you need anything? You're 72 years old a cancer survivor. You don't need to be going out if you don't have to. Right. Um, I don't need to watch out for just, for just me. And, you know, I keeping everybody as safe as I can because, if everybody else is healthy, then I'll have to worry about me getting sick, right? Um, you know, there's that too. But what happens in you know, this is going to go on for a couple of months. I and mean, people are trying to do this two weeks at a time, but, you know, we're going to see peaks here. You know, we're probably seeing peak bed use late April. Some places are going to be early May. Yeah, so it doesn't start to decline until, and it doesn't really start to get down to normal. So, you know, probably till late May, early June in a lot of places. Uh, Are we going to be willing to hang on that long? Uh, Are we going to, what are we going to be like when we come back? Uh, Are people going to, even if we're, you know quote allowed unquote, to assemble again are we gonna want to are i think as,
2: i think as soon as we're allowed people are gonna run out of their sc- house screaming and hugging their neighbors and stuff but you know that's me um my fear is what if something else bad happens while this is going on like i really think we're you know one blackout or one internet outage away from revolution at this point like if if we're all being stuck at home and all of a sudden ah, the power grid fails i I really think that would be like like the end of the world (laughs) america would explode
3: (laughs) well yeah and joe rogan's been going on about that all we need is one solar flare or one volcanic eruption one bad earthquake yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> and it. then it we're for You know, and then it, it, then it's a free for all, right? You know, food's all food in the fridge is all going bad in three days. Um, you know, what happens in a week? Yeah, think somebody's working on that grid. Anybody know how any of this works?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I think, like we said, I think I said it. Before, we talked about it before we started recording. Um. The, the reason that ammunition and guns were selling out before governors tried to close the stores, it's, it's not because people are freaked out about being sheltered in their house. People are freaked out about, what if this isn't the worst? What happens when three months from now, you know, what are we at? Three million people applied for unemployment last week? Yeah. What happens three months from now when those people don't have enough money to feed their families and they start start committing crime just to feed their families? Right. That's why ammunition is is so hard to get right now. That's and why.
3: And then we're gonna overcrowd the are prisons in a in a time when we're trying to right social distance. I mean, yesterday, New York Police Department uh, announced there were over a thousand uniforms positive.
2: Um, yeah, I, I heard that.
3: Yeah. So they're, you know, 15, 16, 17%, um, sick out every day right now.
4: Uh, and, that, and you, you mentioned
2: up. the police. Yeah. You mentioned the police and, and the, the thousand in New York or so that, that are positive. Um, Which reminded me of another thing I wanted to bring up in this show that I completely forgot about until you said that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, several sheriffs and police departments and counties are telling people, don't bother calling 911 unless somebody's going to die. We don't want the police coming to your house because somebody broke in. We don't want them there so that we don't want them there infecting you or you infecting them. So, you know, if someone had broke in and stole your TV, tough. You know, don't call us. Basically, they're saying, don't re- don't bother calling anything nonviolent. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That is telling criminals, hey, let's go break into houses and rob stores and all this other crap. Because the police aren't even going to be here. And, oh, wait, there's nobody milling around with the streets with their camera phones either. So not only am I not going to be caught by the police, there's not even going to be a videotape or recording of it.
3: No, yeah, well, the other thing that does is it erodes public trust for when this is done. Uh, yeah. If we can't rely on you now, why are we going to rely on you in a few months? Uh, exactly. You, we still have, you know, I, you know, my day job, I work late. Uh, I try to get a uh I try to get the dog out you know, between midnight, one o'clock for a walk. And uh we have a somebody's patrolling you know, we have the county police patrolling our street about you know, we see somebody driving up and down about one fifteen, one thirty uh every night still. Um so they're still out here, um you know, checking on everybody. You know, hopefully that that continues, but you know, I'm not an incorporated county, so you know, the rules are little are a little looser here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, we're still well I, I populated right downtown
2: and, downtown and in town. what's that? I said what? I'm sorry. I stomped all over you there. Um, I live right downtown in a small town. Like, and when I say downtown, I if I walk on my front porch and look across the street, to my left is the courthouse. To my right is the sheriff's station. So I'm probably in like the safest part of the county, just based on proximity of government buildings. (laughs) But I I have lived in the unincorporated parts of town. And, you know, it's nice that you're getting patrols out that way.
3: Yeah. Well, we have a separate county and and city police department. Um, They were going to merge a few years ago and that fell through. Uh, So, you know, we have a dedicated... You know, we have dedicated units out in in the county, which is you know, nice for us we're paying for it. So, <laughs> um, but we're not, we're not that spread out, um, you know, I took a quick, I took a quick look on the map uh, where your Twitter account says you are <laughs> um, and like, well, I kind of know that part of the country a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I've been to State College.
2: <laughs> State College is about eight miles down the road.
3: Okay, um, it it looked like it was a little further, so it looked like you were a little further out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but State College is still kind of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's I, got that one big university, and then.
2: Yep, <laughs> I think it was uh, Mark Twain that referred to Pennsylvania as as Philly and Pittsburgh and Kentucky in the middle.
3: Kentucky in the middle twice. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a big state. It takes forever to drive across. Yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts and I lived for a while in, in upstate New York, so you know, I know the you know, I know the Northeast and Pennsylvania is like the first big state. Right. Like, I mean it takes four hours to drive across New York, but four hours doesn't get you anywhere near across Pennsylvania.
2: <laughs> it might take you four. Yeah, never mind. Anyway.
3: North-South, it'll take – you can do it. That's what
2: I was getting at. Like North-South, you can get through New York in four hours, not East-West. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's we got to the, the fear part of it is mm. when does this end? And the other part of my fear is are these governments going to give back everything that they've taken? Government grows. All governments grow. It's the natural thing for government to constantly grow. And the only way governments grow is by taking power. And our founding fathers knew that. And that's why, like, 95% of the Constitution
4: includes things.
2: We've allowed them to do these things for good reason. When do we say, okay, you can't do this anymore. And what do we do when they say, eh, it's too late.
3: Right. And you, I, I feel like we've got a lot of this to walk back over the past couple of decades to, you know, dating back to the, you know, dating back to the Patriot post 9, post Nine Eleven. 11 Right. Yeah, you know, we forget the little things that, are around and then we we take a look at what went into the Patriot Act and if you incorporate the technology that we've come into today we know so a lot of people might have seen video of um kids on spring break in Florida saying yeah we don't care if I get get it I just want to have a good time I paid for my trip whatever uh somebody did a a, a video the other day of yeah, they, they took a beach in Tallahassee. You know, these are the 5,600 cell phones that were on or about that beach over a 24-hour period. Here is where they went in the U.S. Yep. After that.
2: Oh, I'd love to see that. I have to look that up.
3: So we have this technology. This technology is readily available because somebody did it. Like this wasn't a government entity doing this. Like, like, like some some nerd in. Some nerd at a at a data company was like, "Oh, check this out! I can do this. Yeah, Um, this is interesting." Like, wait, you can see where all the I mean, yeah. So the data is anonymized, but right. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, we know that you know, in the week after the stay at home order hit San Francisco, that foot traffic was at sixty percent of normal because cell phones knew (laughs) that.
4: Yeah. Um uh, and it's like Well
3: wait a minute, it's interesting, but but wait, how do you know?
2: <laughs> oh, they know where you are at any given point in time. Yeah. Cell phones are our big brother incarnate. All right, Josh. I need to call it a night. All right. So well,
3: thanks for remind, having
2: me. No, thanks for being. I appreciate you. Sorry we didn't get to the whole uh journalism career stuff, wow. which is yeah. why I reached out in the first place. Uh Tell everybody where we can find you again.
3: Um, Yeah. So I've got a blog at joshshear.com. I try to keep it um, deep and interesting right now. It's kind of right now we're not doing deep dives right now. We're kind of scratching the surface of stuff because um, I'm a little, uh, I think cognitive overload is the word we're using. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm a little overwhelmed, but I'm still trying to write and keep my creative juices flowing. Also uh, every week with my, uh, co-host Kelvin Ringgold, uh JKWD Podcast. It's jkwdpodcast.com. We're coming up on episode 200 as we speak. Uh, so we've been at that four years and having a lot of fun, and we hope you come join us there. And, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, perhaps more conversations, and uh, maybe we can do something a little longer form on YouTube if we're still shutting our houses in another six weeks <laughs> or so. <laughs>
2: Well, my beautiful wife doesn't like it when I come down here and do these things and ignore her for an hour.
3: So. Well, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll drag my beautiful wife in and we can just have a we can just have a long chat and uh, and have dinner and uh, have dinner and some wine and, and uh, yeah.
2: make an night it like a, like a dinner party.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you very much, Josh Shear. Come back to the Liberty Lighthouse anytime.
3: All right. Thanks.
1: Okay, so that was Josh Shear, and we had a nice chat about our liberties, and I'm still worried that our government may or may not give back all the liberties that we have allowed them to take during this pandemic crisis of 2020. But That's what I do here. I worry about your liberties and my liberties. This is the Liberty Lighthouse, after all. We have to keep our liberties. We have to protect our liberties. We have to talk about our liberties and make sure that our politicians know that we're watching. Right now, they have uh, crossed the line on the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, and the Fourth Amendment. We need to make sure that we get all of those rights back when this pandemic is over. That's all I have for this week. Thank you for coming to the Liberty Lighthouse. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter, at Peace Seraphine. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone... There's no getting them back. God bless America.
0: Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty-lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64 My Rights to leave comments for the show. That's 646-974-4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.